What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Daily Bible Reading Snapshot. Today we're looking at Genesis 23 and 24. And here in the Old Testament, we see one of their main characters dies. Sarah dies here. And it's bad news for them because obviously this is one of the most important characters we've had so far. She is the beloved wife of Abraham. She's the mother of everybody who's going to be coming after Abraham. So this is a big deal. So she dies and Abraham needs somewhere to bury her problem is he doesn't own any land. I want you to think about that. That's significant because the original audience here were the Israelites who were about to enter back into this land. Abraham doesn't own any of the land, but God promised the whole land to Abraham. So it says that he tries to buy this field. And as you read, it's going to be this weird, like, why, why are we reading about Abraham negotiating a price? And I don't also understand why the Hittites were just going to give it to him. And he forces payment on it. He says, no, I'm going to pay for it. I want to pay for it. Why does that happen? Well, I think as you read, it's pretty clear that he wants it to be in his ownership so that all of his descendants can have it so that it doesn't just become some like gift that gets taken back in the next generation. When, you know, some generation looks down the line and says, well, we got no paperwork for this. I think this is ours. It looks like there's a tomb here. Well, I guess let's just clear it out. Abraham wants it to be owned by him and his family. So he does that. He pays for it. And he says, it's a possession. And property, possession, property, possession, property. That like those words keep showing up over and over again. Why? Well, because the people of Israel are about to go into the land and take possession of it. And this is the one tiny little plot of land that the man Abraham had. Now that doesn't show his great power and influence. In fact, he's called like a prince of God among us with these Hittites. So it's not that Abraham was so poor he couldn't afford anything. It's just that that's not what he did. He just didn't buy up the land because if you know the story, Abraham's family is actually gonna go to Egypt for a couple hundred years and then come back. So anyway, that's chapter 23. Chapter 24, Abraham recognizes, obviously, as Isaac is grown up now, it says he's 40 years old. He does not have a wife and he doesn't have a mom. So he's getting lonely. He, he doesn't have anybody to hang out with, I guess. I guess Abraham was busy with other people or something. But, well, point is, yeah, Isaac needed a wife at this point. He's old. The promise needs to continue, which again, remember, the whole part of the promise here, one component of it was that there would be successive generations can't have successive generations without without a wife so he goes to look for a wife but instead of Isaac going himself or Abraham going himself Abraham sends the oldest of his household servants so the most trusted the key guy the the, the elder of all the servants he sends him to back to his home country and he says you need to find somebody and he has all these questions like well, what if she doesn't want to come with me? What This is kind of odd, just trying to find a wife for, for Isaac here. Like, I'll do my best, but but what if I can't find one? And what if she doesn't want to come back? And and this is kind of odd. It's kind of weird. And Abraham says, you know, God's going to give you success in this. Just do all the things that you need to do, and God will have success. And he prays. And actually, the servant prays as he approaches. It's it's like he's, he's making his road trip out there. And as he's approaching the land of, of Abraham's ancestry, he's like, God, please help me find somebody here. And you see that prayer from chapter uh, chapter 24, verse 12, all the way to verse 14. He says, God, uh, oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. I'm, I'm This is a leap of faith right here. And as you might have already guessed, as the narrative goes, 
Rebecca is like the first person who shows up. She comes out to draw water and, and he has this whole plan like, well, if she she offers water and she wa wants to feed the, the animals and that, that's the right lady. And then she does exactly what he prayed about. And then he's like, this is this is the girl. And he finds out that she's actually um, part of Abraham's distant you know, relatives. He's part of that family, which is another positive because Abraham did not want his son to marry an idolater, someone who worshiped other gods. That's why he says, don't let, don't let Isaac marry a Canaanite lady. She needs, he needs to marry somebody who's from the, the people who fear God out there. And, and he does. So finds this, the whole story basically is Rebecca, like going to the, going to the house, talking to the family, recounting the story, which again, whenever you see recounting the story, you think, ah, oh, it's just a repeat. It's just a repeat of what we just talked about. Well, remember, what is he repeating? He's talking about how God heard prayers and answered prayers. God heard prayers and answered prayers. And if only we would constantly remember that God hears prayers and answers prayers, we would be a lot better off and we'd be living for God a lot better, right? So when you read the repetition, don't be bored by the repetition. Figure out what is being communicated here. I think that's one of the things that's communicated. God's steadfast love. So then Rebecca says, yes, I'm going to go. And then she goes and she meets Isaac. And it says that when she basically gets off her camel, so to speak, or, or whatever animal she's on, uh, she gets off, she veils herself, she puts on her veil, right? And then she meets Isaac and the servant told Isaac all the things that had happened. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah's mother and took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her. So this is not some weird arranged marriage where they didn't love each other, right? It is kind of a weird arranged marriage, but the good news is that they loved each other and they are pretty much a happy couple for most of the rest of the time. And we're going to read more about the, the life of Isaac tomorrow. But one thing that needs to stand out to all of us is that God shows his promises in the past and his steadfast love in the present. And he always goes back to his promises and God's faithful to keep those promises. And, and whenever we look at the promises of God for us, we can say, I know that God keeps his promises because I saw what he did with Rebecca. I saw what he did with Isaac. I saw what he did with Abraham and with Sarah. God keeps his promises. So that's our Old Testament reading. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 8 in the New Testament, which is such a full chapter. Once you read it, you're like, whoa, so much stuff happens here. What does Jesus do? Well, Jesus is constantly showing his power over the different realms. He's saying, I have power over sickness. I have power over death. I have power um, over the storm. I have power over demons. I have power over all of it. But in the midst of this, there's one key term that you're going to see a couple times. Faith, trust, I believe. That's what you're going to see here. The leper believes. The centurion believes. And he says, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house to heal this person because you know what? You are such a powerful person. I recognize your authority and I trust you. I have faith in you, Jesus. And Jesus marvels and he says, I haven't seen such faith in Israel. This guy isn't even an Israelite, but he's showing more faith than everybody that I've already talked to who's an Israelite, which is so cool. And then there's a promise that goes beyond just this temporal circumstance. Jesus says, you know, there's going to be people who come from East and West to recline at table with who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The connection that we have to the Old Testament is so strong here. But the, what's the point? Gentiles are going to be included in this family of God. Gentiles are going to be included in this plan that God has to save people. That's, that's what he's talking about here. And then it says, in the middle of this, there's a cool scene where a scribe comes to Jesus and says, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus pinpoints this guy's stumbling block. He pinpoints it. He says, hey, you probably got a deal breaker here. What if you don't have a place to live every night? What if you can't settle in some area? You're a scribe. You're wealthy. I mean, you're used to doing that kind of thing. What if you can't have that anymore? What if you have to live in tents? And what do you have to you know, sleep on people's sofas? Will you still be willing to follow me? And we don't have an answer here. 
next person comes and says, I'll follow you. And Jesus says, look, uh, let the dead bury their own dead. This guy says, well, I want to do some things first. I want to take care of my business before I jump into this ministry. And Jesus says, let that let those people take care of those people, right? The dead bury their dead probably doesn't mean that dead people are going to come to life and bury other dead people. The point is probably the dead, the spiritually dead, the people who um, are not a part of the kingdom of God, let them worry about um, the burial of other people. But you, what you need to do is engage fully in the kingdom of God work, which at this point looks like preaching, looks like going out and telling people that Jesus, the Messiah, the King is right here. So then it says, again, the people, the disciples show a lack of faith in the storm. Instead of trusting Jesus, like the centurion, they were more like Abraham and more like Sarah back in the Old Testament who didn't always trust um, in God. And what what's the result? Jesus rebukes them, says, oh, you of little faith, don't you know that I'm going to take care of you? Don't you know that you're not going to die in this storm? And that says two more people have faith. These people who have demons cast out of them. The demons have this conversation with Jesus, which is odd, um, kind of interesting. They recognize and understand that he's the son of God because they have more spiritual insight than even these other people around because they understand it. But these men who have demons cast out of them, then they go and they they tell everyone what happened. They proclaim how amazing Jesus is. So if you ever doubt that Jesus has power, this is a helpful chapter to look back to. If you ever wonder, is there anything um, that Jesus can't do? Well, look at Matthew chapter eight and remember how Jesus has power over all these realms. But what he desires from us is faith. He desires trust. He desires you today to choose, I'm going to trust God no matter what. In this hard situation, in this good situation, in this bad situation, I will trust God no matter what. And then we're going to see the power of God at work. So thanks for reading. See you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.